0: To be fair, I think all of London's incredible and each of the boroughs on their own such interesting histories and that's why I love London. But then if you look at Camden, you've got everything from Soho all the way to the lock, all the way to Kentish Town and beyond. It's actually got many of my favorite parts of the whole of London, so it's got the canal, it's got Regent's Park, it's got Hampstead Heath and you know, you could live and spend your whole life never leaving Camden and would have lived a great life. In Camden Town. I'll meet you at the underground In Camden
1: Town We'll walk there as the sun goes down In Camden Town Welcome to Camdeners, the official podcast for the Camden Clean Air Initiative with me, Geoffrey Young. In this podcast series, we get to know and discover the lives of Camdeners, those special individuals shaping the unique and vibrant culture of the borough of Camden. Today, I'm with Stephen Kellett, Sustainability Manager for Argent, and we explore the impact and the future of the King's Cross development. You know, a big welcome to Stephen. Thanks for joining us today.
0: Yeah, a pleasure. What a nice thing to be involved in, in a first ever podcast. It's exciting.
1: <laughs> well, first and foremost, the, the tough question, the beginning question is, um, you work for um, quite an amazing uh, enterprise, a, a business that's really um, having a, a big impact on our local community here in Camden, um, Argent, which is a, a major landlord developer. Um, perhaps, a, you know, you could give a little intro uh, to your your company, Argent. You know, w- what is Argent?
0: Yeah, um, so not a lot of people would have heard of Argent, but uh, the property world does, and the development we're involved in is, um, yeah, it's quite impactful. And so it's the King's Cross redevelopment um, behind King's Frost Station. And so we have been in ownership of that uh, chunk of land for the last 15 years and been developing it. And as you say, we're also the landlord. So after we build the buildings, we retain them, manage the tenants and um, manage the whole estate and put on events. And um, as you say, it's uh, quite a big responsibility in a large part of Camden being regenerated, which was a previously unloved part of town. And hopefully now it's got a bit more love into it.
1: It's made an amazing difference in the borough of Camden. I mean, you know, I've lived in the borough of Camden more than 25 years now and and you really know what it used to be like. Um, Can you give us a little bit of a a vision of what it is now, you know, for those that haven't visited?
0: Yeah, it's um, so there's an area behind Kingshaw Station which used to be a real heartbeat of London. So previous to the Second World War, it was real, the industrial heart. So you had the Regent's Canal running through it you had all the train lines running towards there. So really that's where all the grain came in, hence why we now got the, a building called the Granary Building. Uh, it's where all the coal came in on the trains, which has now been transformed into the Coal Drops Yard. And then um, after the Second World War, when we changed more freight by road and um, we took away the coal power stations, it fell into a state of disrepair. So from the 1940s all the way up until we took ownership of it, there really wasn't a lot going on. And for somewhere so close to central London, it really felt disconnected from what was going on to the rest of the city. So people for quite a number of years tried to figure out what to do with it. But there's a lot of issues with the site. It's really complex. But finally, with um, St Pancras Station, switching over to the Eurostar, that's when that sparked off the regeneration of the area. So we, as Argent, won the rights to be the developer of that chunk of land from 2001, by the time the planning system all went through, we finally got started on site in about 2008. And um, yeah, still being development to this day, we're probably about 70% done with the actual construction and hopefully be done by 2023, 2024. And as I said, we are the owners of the site, so we hope to be around for much, much longer. Yeah.
1: So 70%
0: um
1: done. It's it's really been incredible. I mean it's also a mixed use um development. So there's there's retail, there's offices, there's um there's residential. Do you want to tell us a little bit about maybe the mix and the types of um businesses you have uh, in the area?
0: Yeah, so um it's a real big responsibility doing the site and I think the reason that we won it was because our developments historically in Birmingham, Manchester, have always brought this mixed use flavor to the city centers that we regenerate. And what we didn't want to do was to make it just offices. So really our whole purpose is to make somewhere that's vibrant, that everyone can engage with and really make it, as you say, mixed use. So we have the first tenants to move in there, first people to use a building was the University of Arts. And so that opened in uh, 2012 and um, that really brought the lifeblood to the place and made it something quite exciting and off the back of that um, some people like Google and Facebook, Universal Music have moved in. We still got um, Nike and Sony to come. We got 2000 homes, uh, 40% of those affordable housing and um, yeah, the retail has put a stamp on London in terms of Coldrops Yard and the other independent retailers. and. Um, kind of restaurant offer we have is um yeah it's a reason to pull people and um stick around
1: <laughs> definitely yeah i mean it's um and so 70 percent done what's what's going to come what's the next 30 percent what are we going to what we what would we expect to see um you to the the Kings cross development
0: so the main thing is facebook moving in and so they're hoping to start moving in in the next 12 or 18 months and it'll be their uh london headquarters And so we're excited to get all the Facebookers involved. And um, as we do that, there'll be a lot more restaurants and retails up towards the north end of the site, where I think most people, if they're familiar with the site, have stuck around the canal and around Granary Square. And it's all about how we connect people to the north of the site and then into Camden from that direction.
1: You know, here in Serendipity House, we're right in the heart of Camden, but it feels like the King Cross developments getting even closer and closer to us, which is... uh, uh, you know, it's been it's magical, and um, it's very exciting. Um, thanks so much. That's it's incredible information. Um, you know, another stat I'd love to just know is, like, how big is the site? Uh,
0: so it's 67 acres, which 67 is... 67 acres. Yeah. 67 football pitches, there are thereabouts. And um, if you're a property nerd, it's 8 million square feet of um, developable area. Um, so it's big. Uh, but it also packs a lot into it. And one thing we're quite proud of is that 40% of it is public realm or open space. So I think when you think of development or you think of architects or you think of places, you think of buildings. But actually, most people really care about the spaces in between them. And I think city planning or developers or development has cared about buildings but not the spaces in between. And actually that's what you remember about places, how you actually interact with the buildings and you only see about two meters up and um, how you actually get around the site. So I think when you go there and particularly recently in the last six months, people have really appreciated that you can go somewhere in central London and actually have a bit of space to um, move around, have a picnic and um, enjoy it. I
1: mean, talking about the spaces uh, in between... Uh... Um, I'll get in a minute to my favorite space in the development, but originally it was um, the area in Grand New Square around, um, especially the Caravan Coffee Roasters, (laughs) right Mm. next to the College of St. Martins and the the Fountains, and it was really exciting. Um, But a new little space in between that I discovered uh, I don't even know what you call it now, but um, uh, I'll describe it to you and tell me <laughs> if you could give me a little bit of background onto that. But it's the um, there's a little um, green space where it's got a, a sort of a, a piece of artwork which is a mimicking a gas holder. Um, it's
0: not mimicking. It's, it it's is the a ga- gas. Holder. Yeah, it's the
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's um, but but I mean the the beauty of the. Um, of the art sort of sort of a, a circular mirror and a kind of a green space with a little mini hill that you can sit on and I just think as one of those um like sacred spaces I mean is it could you give, shed any light on that because I um that's the sp- the space I love the most in the you know in the King's Cross development
0: yeah it, so it's called gas holder park for good reason okay, and right. um so that was one of the good things and challenges about King's Crosses but As I kind of alluded to earlier, it does have a lot of history, particularly industrial heritage, which presents challenges because none of the soil was usable. It was all contaminated, full of uh, chemicals, which had to be cleaned off-site, And a lot of difficult buildings, which took a lot of love and care to repurpose. And so that's something like the granary building, which has been changed into the university. And it's a challenge on our other projects where there is none of this heritage uh, to give it character. You're starting with a blank slate, and actually, when you have a blank slate, you end up with non-inspired spaces, which is exactly probably what happened in America with loaded grids, and you can't identify where you are. You need that bit of heritage uh, to give it a bit of character. So, as I said, with the granary building, that really is what people think of when they think of King's Cross. But then the gas holders, they were situated to the south of the site as um, these big circular canisters, which held for gas, but they're not needed anymore. So we um, we wanted to turn them into residential buildings. So we took off canisters down, took them up north, um, North England, not North London, mm-hmm. and um, got them cleaned up. And yeah, they, they got um, transported back down to site. They've been turned into um, some really n- nice apartments, which are too expensive in my mind, Um, and as you say, this lovely park. And um, yeah, they're genuine. They've just been given a lick of paint, but from 1852. Um, And it is perhaps those kind of things that stand King Cross apart from different new developments.
1: And that circular, well, I'm calling it a circular mirror, which is, is that any famous artist or architect or something that's put that Sort of concept together. Because I, I love when you look there and the way the angle of the light as you walk around, it sort of, you, you see kind of reflections, you know, a hundred times, you know, your own image or other images that you, you know, I, and then you see sort of the reflection of the water from the canal and everything. It's just like, this is, you know, amazing what what has been created there. You know, I'd certainly encourage anyone who wants to to visit. And you know, um, you know, certainly that's that's my favorite. But also, coal drop, cold drop yard is magical. I mean, I think it's oh, what a, what a space. Um, so turning to your own role here, Stephen, like what tell us about your day-to-day job as as sustainability manager for Argent what's what's an average day look like
0: yeah so i mean we've spoken a lot about kings cross and my job is to really slot into everything we're doing at kings cross and indeed our other developments understand what we're doing and then really push it to be better so as much as it is about sustainability in reality it's about innovation and with a focus on improving it from an environmental perspective so my job in sustainability is more environmentally focused. So that's what I'll probably talk about now. But um, I have colleagues who focus more on the social impact and community and how we tie in King's Cross to the surrounding area and job creation. But for me, um, clearly the most impactful thing or biggest challenge of our generation to my mind is climate change. So everything we do, we are cognizant of the fact that we have this big responsibility to make sure what we're doing doesn't impact the planet. So day to day, it's quite varied. Um, it can be quite um, kind of the softer stuff where you communicate to people what you're doing. So it's either school kids come in, you want to talk about the development, talk about sustainability, all the way through to the really technical stuff. Um, so leveraging my degree in engineering to understand what our energy suppliers on site and how do we make it greener. Um, through the building design, buildings have a huge impact Once you build them, they tend to stick around for 60 to 100 years. And they take up an awful lot of concrete. They consume a lot of energy within buildings. And if you get that design wrong, it's going to be wrong for a long time. So it's really working with the architects and our design teams to understand how can we make these buildings more efficient. And also, there's been a big shift, particularly now in the last six months with the pandemic, around health and well-being. So as much as we want to make our buildings energy efficient, we also want to make them work for people. And indeed the spaces in between the buildings to make them um, a place where people can really flourish. And, you know, if you've got an office which has good air quality, good temperature control, people can be more productive, more happy, and want to come into the office, which um, is becoming more and more in focus now. Um, Yeah, the large thing I am working on is figuring out how we get to net zero carbon. So we want the King's Cross estate to be the first zero carbon estate in the world. We don't want to do it by twenty fifty. Don't want to do it by twenty thirty. We want to do it in the next twelve months, and um, which is really exciting to have that kind of impact. Wow! So what,
1: what initiatives are you going to have to implement at the development to get carbon zero within twelve months?
0: It's challenging. So we've been working on it for a while, um, but as a point to, we have um, an energy network on site. So we actually have an energy company and we supply all of our buildings with um, heating and hot water. So the first thing is that's 50% of our carbon footprint. How do we make that green? And fortunately, we um, figured out we can supply it with green gas. So that's gas that's made from food waste, so it's zero carbon. And if we capture that green gas and then... um, put it through this district heat network um, everyone on site is going to be supplied with zero carbon energy and then the other half is um, we supply people with electricity unfortunately on site we can't build a huge wind turbine um, so we have to build one off site and get supplied electricity by that so those are the two main ways and then we're also Um, in recognition that we've used a lot of carbon in the concrete frames of our buildings and indeed all the construction work and that's already been uh, emitted, so we're trying to figure out how we offset that in a responsible manner and so we're thinking of um, either building a forest or doing some international um, work and it's complicated and it's ethically challenging whether offsetting is the right way to do it but we felt like we've done what we can within our control and then it's figuring out what is the correct way to offset it um,
1: and uh, and that food waste is is that food base that's been generated on the on the site from for hospitality businesses and the
0: um so fortunately we don't produce quite enough food waste uh, to power a whole site because uh, then we would have a real problem <laughs> right um but yeah our food waste gets sent to it's called an anaerobic digestion plant yep. so that gets sent there and and um, Yeah, the gas is captured from it and then that's the gas we buy and um, equally our green waste. So stuff from um, our planting that gets sent to another plant and that's turned into compost and along with our coffee grinds, that's turned into compost and we reuse that on site. So that's what we're doing around waste and it builds into this um, zero carbon world. But really over the next 10 years, what we really want to focus on as well as zero carbon is how to make things a bit more circular and build a circular economy. And that will rely a lot on partnerships. And it's not stuff immediately in our control. It'll be working with people that work and live on the estate. And I think that's a big challenge for the world is how we stop wasting everything and actually reuse things and recycle properly.
1: Um, And what would you say the absolute most interesting aspects of your job?
0: So because I did engineering, I love what I was just talking about in terms of our energy supply and making that green and it's quite tangible you can see that you've done it and you see that you've saved thousands of tons of CO2 sometimes it's quite difficult in anyone's role to understand what difference you're making whereas this zero carbon kind of work stream that I've been working on is very rewarding and nice to know what kind of impact you can have
1: you may have just answered that question but um i had a question here which i'll ask it, you know more directly why, why did you choose sustainability as a career
0: i think it's because i've never ever thought that sustainability doesn't make sense it just seems ridiculous to design or build stuff that doesn't take sustainability into consideration And the reason that I did my degree in engineering is because I wanted, I see the role of an engineer is to make things more efficient and design things well. Anyone can design a bridge, but they'll probably design it really inefficiently, use far more material than you need to do. So the reason you get an engineer is to make it more efficient. And so that's why I did engineering and I wanted to go down that path. Um, But then when I got a job in engineering, I realized that there are people who are, better at doing technical stuff than me, but a lot of engineers can't talk, so I realized I was probably better at the strategy and communication side and actually interpreting what engineers do and talking about it to people and writing strategies and um, making stuff happen, and that really is how I interpreted the role of a sustainability manager, so that's why I transitioned from engineering into sustainability, and um, here I am. (laughs) Any regrets so far? Um, I think overall, it's having a sense of perspective. I think working in climate change or sustainability can get you down because it's such an immense global challenge and you need to make a difference today and now. And that weight of thinking the earth is dying and you want to solve it is quite overwhelming at times. So, And you realize that you are just one person you can only really make a small difference is sometimes it disencourages you and you don't really know what you're doing so i guess my regret would be that to retain a sense i never i haven't always retained a sense of perspective and i'm trying to work towards understanding what my role is and to make sure i'm happy about that
1: well i'm sure you are making a difference i mean We're on this um, journey with the Camden Clean Air Project or the Camden Clean Air Initiative to, um, yeah, make a difference and to reach out to all the stakeholders in Camden to get everyone to do their bit. But uh, yeah, it is. um, I, I understand you fully. You get that sort of moments where you have your wins and then you get your your setbacks and. Yeah, yeah,
0: we're, and then you see these 16-year-olds like Greta Thunberg making a huge difference. Yeah. Like, <laughs> blimey. Well, yeah, well, we're lucky to
1: have her and <laughs> uh, on the other end of the spectrum, we've got David Attenborough. Yeah. At- so David Atman. So, great. Um, and, and finally, you know, what is it about working within the borough of Camden that, that, uh, that interests you?
0: I just think it's, uh, to be fair, I think all of London's incredible and each of the boroughs have such, on their own, such interesting histories and that's why... I love London but then if you look at Camden you've got everything from Soho all the way to the lock all the way to Kentish Town and beyond and it's actually got many of my favorite parts of the whole of London so it's got the canal it's got Regent's Park it's got Hampstead Heath and you know you could you could live and spend your whole life never leaving Camden and would have lived a great life It's incredible.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, echo that. A big thank you to Stephen Kellett, who's Sustainability Manager at Argent. Thanks for joining us today for the first ever Camdeners podcast.
0: Pleasure.
1: Thank you. That's it for Camdeners. If you'd like more information, please see the links below. This podcast was recorded at Serendipity Studios in Arlington Road, Camden for the Camden Clean Air Initiative.